Sits and saves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. With a little bit of a difference. See, during the recording process of episode 162, we had no end of audio troubles. And so, in order to bring you your regularly scheduled show goodness, we've painfully pieced together a version of the live show. What you're actually getting is a glimpse of what our Patreons get, so if you like this format, be sure to subscribe. Unlike a normal episode of Guard Frequency, this one is not as highly edited or polished, and it has only been cleared in post for long silences, curse words, and the part where the host connection drops and the power cuts out and then they come back and blah 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 blah. Anyway, it's about as close to listening live as you can actually get. So with that in mind, please sit back and enjoy the show. Dits and Sivs, Captains and Commanders, you've tuned to the Guard Frequency and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 162 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever was recorded on Friday, March 31st, made available for download Tuesday, April 4th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Ken Shadow. And I'm Jeff. And in the audio booth, making sure we sound polished as a pre-alpha release from Zig, is Henry! Hey, everybody. So what do we have in store this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk Box, we talk about reusable rockets and robot revolutions. After that, we hit the flight deck and see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover the new adventures of Buzz Lightyear. The up-and-coming live-action remake of Voltron. Henry brings us a product review of Cadbury Cream Capricaccino, the latest Battlestar Galactica-themed beverage available at Starbucks. And for our post-April 1st listeners, the latest Around the Verse and 2.6.2 for Star Citizen. Field balance updates the official release date for 2.3 and changes to payouts for crew members in Elite Dangerous. And a little update on the big battles for Infinity Battlescape. Finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. And let's export this bad boy. Henry, take us out. You got it. Here you go. Everybody, uh, we are gonna record our squawk box segment for episode 162 in just a second. But Jeff just blue screened Odeft uh, just a moment ago, so we'll have to wait for him to reboot and reconnect. Here we were just talking a second ago about his great brand new connection, and then Windows fails him. Poor guy just can't win, man. Just can't catch a break, that fella. We can just listen to the smooth sounds of Kenny G. I'm gonna watch a movie in which Kenny G is an assassin. I, I th- I'd, I'd, play, I'd buy that. I can totally see that. He'd be the last guy you'd expect. And he's always carrying a saxophone case around, so he's got something to conceal a weapon in. Exactly. It's like Air Mar- El Mariachi, but... Yeah, 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 only, you know, it's El Saxophonoist. Hmm. I think. Say that five times fast. You don't have to, actually, I was... I, I won't. I'm not going to try. Oh, here he comes. User in your channel is recording. Hey, hey Jeff, welcome back. You've been gone. Hang on, I st- there's some couple of things messed up here. Okay. Hey, but not over here, because we're listening to Kenny G. Nothing's wrong here, man. We're just smooth, smooth and easy here on the Guard Frequency. It's late night on Guard Frequency. And Squawk Box in three, two. Cryptor, 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 this is Tony saying, welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. This week, Elon Musk managed to hit the headlines twice, so in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we thought we'd bring you a double feature for the spot. Squawk. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we thought we'd bring you a double feature for the Squawk Box. I'm guessing the Brit who wrote this has no idea when Thanksgiving is. Okay, moving on. Longtime listeners of the show will will know that we've covered the Falcon 9 rocket on more than one occasion, right from its early flights to its first attempts at landing on the barge with explosive results. Well, this week, SpaceX has made history by successfully launching, landing, relaunching, and relanding a Falcon 9 rocket booster. Yes, the SpaceX dream of reusable rockets is now officially a reality. And it wasn't just done for fun, either. 
The relaunched rocket carried a satellite into orbit for a Luxembourg-based telecoms provider named SES. But uh, why are reusable rockets so sought after? Well, aside from the obvious environmental impacts of not adding another piece of junk to the ever-increasing pile of debris orbiting Earth, reusable rockets are key for commercial space travel. Right now, it costs about $62 million each time a rocket is launched, but a reusable rocket could save a whopping $18 million per trip. And because for the time being, rockets are the best way for us to go to space, being able to reuse rockets regularly will revolutionize the industry. And speaking of revolutionary changes, there is one revolution Elon is rather concerned about, the robot revolution. So much so, in fact, that Mr. Mush, Mr. Mush, Musk, Mr. Mush, we can call him Mr. Mush, but he probably wouldn't appreciate that when he gets sued. Beep, beep. So much so, in fact, that Mr. Musk has founded a new company named Neuralink, fearing that one day AI will overtake us, making human beings second-class citizens, slaves, or something worse. And he's not alone. Michael Vassar, the chief science officer of MetaMed Research, stated, quote, if greater-than-human artificial general intelligence is invented without due caution, it is all but certain that the human species will be extinct in very short order, end quote. And even Stephen Hawking has famously said that, quote, the development of artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. It would take off on its own and redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate. Humans, who are limited by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded, end quote. Scary stuff, luckily. We have Mr. Musk. Neuralink will be conducting research into a brain-computer interface, allowing humans to keep up with the advancements made in technology. By creating a device or series of devices that can be implanted in the human brain, we'll be able to merge with our software creations so we don't end up as merely another footnote in the Journal of the Universe. And Musk believes that this technology will be here sooner than we think. Quote, for a meaningful partial brain interface, he says, I think we're roughly four or five years away, end quote. Of course, this technology will allow us to do a lot more than just interface with machines. It will essentially allow us to patch our brains to update the firmware of the very thing that makes us human and allowing us to make neurological diseases such as Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's, and a whole host of others, things of the past. Four or five years, Mr. Musk will be watching, and so will the computers. So I find this all very interesting, but the, I have one one good question. Okay. Well, it better be good. Why do you always get the good copy? I'm pretty sure that Lennon lifted this straight from her article. I am not. I I would not be surprised to find out that I just plagiarized like an entire article from someplace. I would not. Uh, I would not. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. I hope. You know, fortunately, I don't suppose we probably have too many like you know uh, copyright attorneys listening to us. Uh, but you know, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean. There weren't nearly enough run-on sentences. Uh, there weren't any awkward commas put in there. Uh, I only counted like eight subclauses. So I mean, pretty sure that Lennon didn't didn't you know? I, I don't know actually. I, I just read whatever Lennon puts in front of me. And I, he gave I don't, me specific I don't instructions. A, I don't see too many extraneous U's being put in words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might uh, we might have to. Well, there was a uh, there was a something spelled with an S. Revolutionize, yeah. Revolutionize oh. is spelled with an S. So I don't Gotta know. It's, it's 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 iffy. You know what we could do. We could invent a robot AI, and Lennon could feed it stuff and then have it spit it back out in, in Britishisms, and then we could read that or attempt to read it uh, on the show. I, I think that would it. be the most useful. That'd be the most useful use of, of AI. Well, uh, you know, machine well, learning is getting you know a hot topic nowadays. I mean, pretty much everything you you run into in the uh, in the tech sector is integrating machine learning in some way. Um, what that actually means with regards to general. You know, uh, artificial yeah. intelligence, I don't know, because most machine learning is very simple uh, neural network stuff that has nothing to do with, with what they're actually doing. But uh, that's, that's a hot topic all the way around. It, it, I wonder if the numbers that they throw out here with, um, you know, the imminence that they think is, is really, really realistic or whether this is really a uh, another just play on the uh, excitedness that people have around neural networks nowadays. Well, I, I, all kidding aside about me being immortal, I, I look at I, I found this second part of this uh, article really fascinating. I get along in fifty five now, and, and still working, 
you want to download, get, don't you, don't you, Jeff? You want to download? Uh, no, I I would like to keep my brain active and functioning, and maybe even you know, uh, doing the things I like doing. You know, I see some of my elders doing. It's when <clears throat> when you're young, you don't think about uh, you don't think about age. When you get to be older, you start thinking about uh, ten years away, five years away. Those things uh, become more and more uh, relevant to you. Well, I think that both on on the uh, on the rocket side and on the AI side, part of I think what they're trying to do is save material. I mean, you know, it's the the human brain, the hardware degrades, like you were saying, Jeff, or just, you know, astonishingly, maybe in the last 10 to 15 years of the human life expectancy. You know, you, uh, somebody functions basically the same between 30 and 65 or 70, right? You know, I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, people still go to work and are, are mentally active and stuff like that. But then you hit 70 and a lot of people start to lose mental faculties. And some people go even go into dementia and, and other you know, very serious problems. Um, the longer you can maintain that hardware, uh, the more fulfilling people's lives will be. Um, same with the rockets. You know, if you can, if you can reuse that rocket two or three times, you know, that's material you're not having to waste and it doesn't create junk and a burden on everybody else. So, I mean, you know, Musk has a lot of weird and different sort of ideas and theories, but I think that a lot of the common theme is that is is he's trying to conserve um, uh, precious resources. And I think you know, that you know more power to him, good luck to him, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, uh, some of this stuff I think is a little pie in the sky, like you were saying, Canchetto. I mean, it's like you know four or five years. Uh, I think some of that's investor hype, you know. Yeah, we we've heard that before, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the I'm end goal so, is good. I, I'm not so sure. I've I've looked at this technology before. Uh, you know, augmenting the brain with with uh, you know uh, computer aided uh, software. Uh, everything from that those scary sci-fi looking hats that you wear with all those probes all over your head to <laughs> you know to right. no, Johnny. To the Johnny Mnemonic, I mean, this isn't this is stuff they've been working on uh, for quite some time. For, yeah, you know, they've been working on this uh, which for thirty is, years. I mean, yeah, this is which, not new stuff. But again, you know, you've been working on it for thirty years, and you're going to like have an amazing amount of breakthroughs in the next four. That's where I run into the problems. I mean, they've made some really interesting breakthroughs. I have several friends who've had like brain surgery and the like, and they've um, brain surgery has evolved immensely, but. The brain is still a very big black box. I mean, you have to stay awake during brain surgery so they can, if they need to burn a neuron or something like that, or they need to poke around, they need, they don't really know quite what they're poking at sometimes. And so they have to have your feedback. There's so much we don't know about the brain that it's just basic level research for an interface like this. The Them solving all those problems in the next four years, I don't know. I mean, it all depends on what their goals are in four years, I guess. If their goals are to solve one of these problems or or have a handle on one of these problems and not even solve it, then sure. But them having some sort of magical pensia brain technology in that time frame, I'm not buying it. That's 10 minutes. Pretty good. Everybody happy with that? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you... you, uh, did I get lost somewhere? Did I? Can we go, go over this again? <laughs> Wait, what did I say? Something wrong? No, 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 Jeff. You're just gonna have to download uh, this week's episode yeah, and like, replay it. That's, that's <laughs> what you're gonna have to do. That's as close to AI as you're gonna get. All right. Well, have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. All right, let's stop there. Take a quick break to export this. We will be right back, and hopefully Jeff's computer will still work. Yeah, it will. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us and sticking with us. You're listening to episode 162 of Guard Frequency, the live recording thereof. We're going to do the flight deck segment, and it's a big, beefy one this week, kids. So strap in Voltron and Starbucks and whatnot. Uh, so uh, here we go. We're going to hit the big red button in three, two. This is Tony, Flight Deck Sync 1. Yeah, Flight Deck Sync 2. In shadow, Flight Deck Sync 3. And this is Henry, Flight Deck Sync oh, 4. I forgot. Sorry, Henry. Thanks, and Tony. Flight Deck. <laughs> now I feel bad. 
Now I have guilt. <laughs> My one segment. <laughs> I come back for feedback too. And flight deck in three, two. Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for March 31st, 2017 is we're going to stop updating the crowdfunding numbers. We tried something new last week and it still didn't seem like news. So we're going to devote the time to, you know, actual information. Uh, and that's our first community question. Will you miss them now that they're gone? No, this is not an April Fool's joke. We really are going to stop reading them. Let us know. Send an email to Tony at Car Frequency. God damn it, Lennon. This week's Around the Verse continued the main feature of last week's show, the ship pipeline process, but also took us over to Foundry 42 Frankfurt in Germany, where they've been doing some pretty interesting stuff. First up, the team have finished all of the ship rocket and rocket pods from size 1 up to size 3. They've also done the first pass on the Knight Bridge Arms Ballistic Cannons, allowing them to use those various sizes to test out the new modularity system. The team are going to be playing with various upgrade levels and combinations to see what they can come up with. The team have also taken some first passes at several FPS weapons and modular space stations and surface outposts. The truck stop is their first test of this modularity system for space stations. It will use a combination of procedural generation and flow charts to show how the rooms should connect. This will allow them to generate a large number of stations with similar layout, but different flavor across the rooms. The biggest news from Frankfurt, however, is that they have now finished refactoring the physics grid. In the old system, the one that came with the CryEngine, it uh, worked essentially on a 2D array. When CIG wanted to adapt this to super large maps, each cell in the 2D network was scaled up to a ridiculous size. This was okay at a system-wide level, but quickly broke down when trying to query the state of smaller objects within the cells, like ships and players. This then led to some pretty severe performance problems, not least because the 2D plane would also end up repeating itself every few thousand kilometers. CIG have now recoded the system to use a nested matrix of 3D cells, allowing the game to query down to a 10-meter square, a significant improvement over having to query a whole 3,000-kilometer block. When applying the new 3D grid system to the Crusader map, systems indicate that everything was running 10 times more efficiently, primarily because it wasn't having the grids repeated so a smaller number of elements could be loaded. 10 times the efficiency doesn't necessarily mean 10 times the performance increase, though. So far, they've been able to squeeze double the performance out of the maps, but it means that everything's loading a lot smoother, a lot quicker. Most importantly, it reduces the netcode overhead, one of the big blockers for 3.0. In other news, about an hour before we recorded this show, 2.6.2 has been pushed to live. As always, CIG recommends player delete their user folder for the live client after patching. Details on how to do this will be in the show notes. The patch weighs in at approximately 18 gigabytes, so those on slow connections or capped data plans will need to plan accordingly. Luckily, the new Delta patcher from Turbulent is having the final kinks worked out of it, and should be in our hands soon, meaning that we only need to download the differences rather than the game assets every single time. While we haven't had a chance to check out the live offering, our research badgers, led by the fearless Kin Shadow, have been playing a bit of the PTU release, and the general feeling is that, aside from the Buccaneer, there's not a whole lot that's different. Yeah, the Buccaneer is definitely the, the king of the roost there. Um, yeah, I didn't like it. I liked it. I thought it felt pretty good. It's like a slightly faster Hornet, basically. Um, it, it does, it felt with like less I, armor. It, it felt like I was flying a paper mache model. I didn't die that much. I mean, I, I played some. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get to play against other players because every time I went into AC, AC multiplayer, there was no one else there. But playing against pirates and pirate swarm, I didn't. I didn't have any. I didn't die any more in the Buccaneer than I died in the Hornet. Um, oh, it wasn't because it smelled like bread. I was wondering where the paper mache reference came from. So, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, it don't. smells like white glue. I don't get it. it. Smells like white glue. Yeah, you sniff a lot of glue sometimes. But I wanted to go back to the uh, the the not a whole lot of difference. Two point six point two. Not a lot of front end facing thing aside from the new ship. A lot of back end patching. Uh, a lot of uh, under the hood changes. Um, uh, yeah. The, the other, thing that, other thing that's noticeable would be Mega Map and. Right. Um, and the Mega that, Map was cool. It, it, it's cool, but uh, unfortunately in the PTU, there weren't a lot of people in multiplayer, so it, it's it's hard to see it. 
Um, I'm sure it'll be a lot, it's a lot more obvious in the live release. I, I just tried the live release and you can obviously see. The only complaint I have about Mega Map is that you click on the button and your screen just goes black. And it's black for like 10 seconds. And so it's the, the immediate conclusion is, especially if you don't know what this Mega Map is, is you're like, my client just crashed crap, you know? So, so that, that's a bit annoying. I, I think they could have stuck a screen in there. And so even with their loading of, of modules. Um, now, yeah, I had a question and maybe this is tan only tangentially related, but the, the new physics grid that they were talking about is, uh, have we seen this before in another environment, well, in another game? Lots of, lots of games have hierarchical. Uh, grids like that for yeah. for doing a whole variety of things. I mean, like that. I mean, that's the same as like an occlusion map, uh, like a, a, a oak tree occlusion map or something like that, right? It's 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 just a nested um, right data but construct. I, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that I saw there, there was there's another sort of you know big open world game that we like covered real briefly, and I can't I, for the life of me I can't remember the name of the thing, but it's like double world or two world or something like that. Where their 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 tech tree showed or their their tech demo had like a, a thousand little you know uh, 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 individual characters on a on a giant battlefield and it would zoom out and there were uh, ten and it would zoom out again and there were hundred and zoom out again and there were a thousand and it was and they they were showing they were making it was you're thinking, of, you're thinking of dual universe right that's it dual universe exactly yeah I mean, they probably do this isn't this isn't uh technology that is uh unique to sig the th unique thing here is they've integrated into a world-class 3d engine uh, such as uh cry engine right because dual universe is a custom engine i believe okay all right i was gonna say this this sounded very familiar to me uh the this technique that they were talking about so i, I when i thought i'd seen this before so Carry on. Thank you. You satisfied my personal curiosity, and that's really all we need to do. Um, it's really good news. Um, the other, the other, the other side on on top of that same thing is the way that they're doing a lot of the um, what they call it. They called it element something. Uh, it, it basically boils down to fixing netcode. So I'll, I will be really happy to see um, what this does with the multiplayer games, and and if it reduces the uh, what is the word I'm searching Bottle for neck? here? No, 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 no. The uh, the lag you have in multiplayer games between those positions. There's a name for that, right? I lag, rubbernecking, um, or not rubber, rubber banding, not rubbernecking, rubbernecking. But banding, yeah, rubber banding, rubber banding is one symptom of that. The other one would be like you're shooting at somebody. Warp, in, warp drive, the warps, hyperspace jumps that people do. No, 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 no. You're shooting at somebody in Star Marine and they're somewhere else than where you're actually shooting. So right. it, like, for instance, I come around a corner and I'm immediately dead. It, well, it, latency is is what causes it, but the the other, I mean, latency exacerbates the issue. Like if they have a much lower latency than than you do, then they're going to be seeing you at different positions than you are. But the uh, like, for instance, I run around a corner and I'm all the way all the way around the corner, but they still see me around the other part of the corner. Then that means that they're going to still be able to hit me, and then then the server will communicate my that I got hit, even though I was around the corner before they shot. And and um, that that's a common problem. I'm hoping a lot of these element issues that they're talking about that they're fixing in the netcode side will, will translate down to uh, fixing these real-time issues they have in their multiplayer. Okay. Take it away, Ken Shadow. In Around the Verse, they went into a little more technical detail on the changes to the physics grid and the high-level overview that they normally give. We want to know, what's your opinion on this? Should they be giving us the nitty-gritty whenever possible? Or should they just give us the TLDR version? Let us know your thoughts. Drop us a line any way you like. Details coming up in the feedback loop. Big news coming this week about Elite Dangerous 2.3, including an official release date. The Commanders will go live during the, quote, week ending April 16th, end quote, per Frontier's usual parlance for these announcements. So we can expect to have the Commander Creator, Multi-Crew, and everything else coming online earlier that week with possibly another patch between now and then in beta. On the combat balance side of things, testing and feedback have continued on the proposal of introducing diminishing returns on shield boosters, particularly on heavily engineered boosters. While lead designer Sandro Samico, San, 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 Sandro Samarco, while lead designer Sandro Samarco believes that there's a real issue where stacking shield boosters can become a path of least resistance. 
for ship bills, they have currently decided that these changes are too specific and don't address the issue widely or holistically enough. As a result, the team is going back to work on an alternative or complementary solutions to ensure multiple styles of play are not impacted differently in unintentional ways from whatever change is eventually implemented. Till then, keep on shield tanking. Of course, the biggest debate in the elite community right now has been Frontier's announced changes to the multi-crew mission and bounty rewards payouts. While the system was initially introduced with members <clears throat> While the system was initially introduced with crew members receiving 100% of rewards earned by the helm, aka, aka owner of the ship, this has been changed to a percentage of that total linked to the combat rank of the crew member. However, reports from players in the beta have suggested very low numbers in some cases. Reported figures with screenshots on the Elite subreddit indicate a novice pilot with a ship launch fighter received 3% of what the helm was awarded amounting to only a few thousand credits. Of even greater concern to some, a deadly ranked gunner reported about 60% of awards, and an elite fighter pilot only seems to have received about 50% payment, indicating that even very high-ranking pilots will gain substantially reduced incomes for multi-crew. Community manager Ed Lewis commented on the reasoning for these changes, sharing FDev's fear that multi-crew could become a near-exploitative feature for power-leveling new players into top-tier ships. He clarified that all players in multi-crew ships will still gain the full rank upgrade benefits, aside from exploration rank uh, for the helm cashing in data. So, yeah, this one was a little bit of a... Uh, it's a, a, one of those lessons that um, you can always ratchet up if you start something out one way and then nerf it people get mad but if you start off being you know a little stingy you can always be more generous in the future this is a kind of one of those object lessons of start off stingy when you design a new system maybe that's uh, what yeah, it is i, I know i'm pretty annoyed this. about it hang on, one at a time, one at a time. I, henry go first henry I, first then jeff i just said uh maybe that's what it is but i'm pretty annoyed about it i mean i was really excited to be making more money in multi-crew that's really the only time I'm doing combat is when I'm hanging out with my friends. So that's a chance for an explorer to make money, you know, and that's been nerfed now. Yeah. And I have to agree. I, I thought this was great. Uh, uh, when we, when we did the multi-crew thing, except for the, you know, the, the oddities of, of being kicked out of the session and then not being able yeah. to back and that kind of stuff. Beta uh, stuff. This was, yeah, this was uh great for doing the gang thing. I mean, this was, this is a good time to be had by friends and and uh, compatriots and and guild members and you know what whatnot. Now they're going to make it so that nobody's going to want to do it because there's more lucrative stuff doing it on your own. Now I, now there's now there's debate. You know, you're, you're trying to get some guy to help pilot your ship. He's like, no, I'm going to fly my own ship. It's more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just discouraging, uh, you know, team based play. And I'll bet these uh, rewards. You know, the new reward system was supposed to carry over to uh, Wings, and I'll bet yeah. you this is the way Wings are going to be now, too. Well, they better, or else, like you guys were saying, people aren't going to multi-crew. They're going to say, no, we need to Wing, because we use that system now. You tag them once, and then the big heavy comes in to wipe them up. You know, yeah, you let the, the new guy come in and have the first shot, and then, you know, me and my cutter comes in and just blows the hell out of them. Yeah, but they're saying that you get a hundred percent for the helm owner. It doesn't in multi crew. It didn't say anything about wings. Well, no, this was a change they announced previously. This was yeah, this was the design intention previously. Is that wings were going to get a hundred percent of the of the system just like multi crew? That was the announcement. Like, hey, multi crew is coming in, and everybody gets the bounty. Every if you get a bounty, and you get is the Oprah thing. You get a bounty, and you get a bounty, and you get a bounty. Right. And and they said, and we're going to make that same change to the wings. And so now they're saying, well, multi-crew is going to be now tied to your combat rank. So your your payout will be still, quote, a full payout, but that full payout will be proportionately reduced according to your combat rank, harmless, deadly, whatever it is. So I I I, I think that again, an object lesson and start off stingy and then and then ramp up. But I also think that they are are maybe jumping at shadows a little bit here. Um, they're saying that it would be a power, it's a power leveling thing where you can get more money more quickly and skip the quote, lower levels. There aren't levels well, in this game. 
Yeah, there's that's that's what I was. I mean, uh, isn't everybody's function to go out there and make as much money as possible? I mean, isn't isn't that what we did when we first started? We were making those yeah. long jump uh, exotic trade runs, and yeah. and so we could, you know, I mean, we were doing the research it's and a, it it just it, this doesn't make sense. There's got to be something else that's that's. I mean, if there were, if there was like a progression that you had to level through or you were, uh, there were newbie zones that, you know, right. older players couldn't get into, that would make a lot of sense, right? But that's not the case. This is just a free-for-all, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah they're, just, I mean, they're, they're just saying that you're, you're not going to be able to, or they, they don't want people to buy the big expensive ships right out of the gate because they power level with this. But honestly, why not? Why do they yeah. care? I don't, I, and if they were that concerned about it, why not? Why not restrict multi crew to a certain rank and above, and that way you take care of the power leveling. Or not only that, they could. Me, uh, or, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, or even better. Hang on a second. Why not just restrict ship purchases to ranks? There why not go. just give us more stuff to well, spend our credits do. on? I mean, I can't. No, I can't no, go out by no. by a cutter because no, that, I don't that's, have. That's, that's that's faction rank. I'm talking, you know, combat ranks well, or explorer okay. ranks. But I, you can't, already, yeah. when I'm I'm using the, that faction rank as an example of restricting ships by rank. I'm not. I'm. They already yeah. do that. So why not? Why not do that now if that's what they were concerned about? Well, you, you agree with me then? Yes, I agree. Yay! Okay, good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, if that's what they're worried about, then, you know, it, it should be that you can't get an ASP explorer until you're competent in exploration. And you can't get a, uh, I don't know, a fur de lance until you're deadly in combat. I mean, if if they're worried about people skipping the progression, actually put a progression in there. And that would make some kind of sense. You know, they're worried about right now. The only gate, and we've talked a little bit about this before. Right now, the only gate in this game is money. That's the only, it's the only practice. They have some permit lock systems, maybe, and there are some restricted ships like the cutter and the clipper and the, and the Corvette and the uh, uh, dropship and the gunship. But there's no gates in this game. And if they want to introduce some gates, then that's fine. But I don't think it should come this way. Yeah, because I, I think what th they're missing a huge opportunity here for people to make social connections. And I think that that is the I think that's the shooting themselves in the foot um, problem that they're having here is that this is a chance for people to make new friends, make new connections, meet random people, connect with other groups um, and, and make it a more social uh, experience rather than a very solo experience. It can be and that's that's the real missed opportunity here. I think we lost our audio engineer. Oh, no. <clears throat> That's a pretty good place anyway, to lead the this... discussion anyway. Yeah, well, it was a good place. To... I'm going to read the community question, and we'll just make some good radio. We'll, um, we'll make some good radio here. So hang on. Well, it's generated a bit of controversy out in the verse, but we want to know what you think about the changes made to multi-crew payouts. Let us know through the usual feedback methods, which we'll cover during the feedback loop. All right, everybody. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Mr. Henry lost power, so we're going to have to uh, take over the stream from there. Hopefully you can hear us out there out in the big world. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. Okay, lovely. I'll bring the music down. All right, so uh, so we're going to start back up. But uh, So, yeah, did you, you guys see that, that gift that Chris got? The gift that Chris got? No, huh? Mr. Chris Roberts, he was given a fan gift. It is a... Uh, like a vertical scroll that you hang on the wall and it says Chris and Xion, the, the alien language they made up. But it was it was written on a uh, Chinese scroll with um, by some China. It says on the left, it goes from Chinese backers or something like that. <laughs> so and, so Chinese backers writing not in Chinese, but in the other made up language. Exactly. So I, I, I just from my level, just whatever my sensibilities are, that whole thing just rubbed me like very weirdly. Like I, I, I think the gift is really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they hey, just knocked written... it off, you know what happened? You know what happened the last time that you were rubbed weirdly? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Let's see. We that, don't want to repeat that. <laughs> okay, but and it, with that, 
If they had just written it on the scroll, you know, and just had it up there and that was the gift, then that would have been, oh, that's kind of neat. But the fact that they say from Chinese backers and that was made a big point of, I don't know. It just was weird. Anyway, I'll stop rubbing myself now. We can yeah, yeah, or letting other people rub you. So, um, yeah, both either way, let's let's stop with the rubbing. And uh, we'll go ahead and pick up uh, where we left off here at the flight deck. So we'll do a new Audacity file, and we'll hit the big red button for three, uh, in three, two. This week, the devs over at iNove Studios, that's the team behind Infinity Battlescape, released a network simulation video. Sounds exciting, huh? Well, you'd be right. Whilst this, I can tell, he, he used that twice on me. <clears throat> Whilst. <laughs> Whilst the video itself doesn't look like much except a grid system with some rectangles and a lot of blue dots, it's what this represents that's important. The video actually is a data visualization of a 300-player battle, with all players zipping around and firing off bursts of ammo. The one thing that you can see from the video is that it's smooth. Smoother than that time we shaved Jay. Okay, hold, 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 hold on. I want you to read that sentence to yourself first and then do it. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Go. The, the fact that this sentence exists it disturbs me to no level. Not as much as you rubbing or getting rubbed by Chinese backers, but okay. All right. Hold on. Smoother than that time we shaved Jace, oiled him up, and then sent him headfirst down a toboggan track. While listening to Barry White having the whole thing narrated by Morgan Oreal. <laughs> I'm going I'm to save you a lot of trouble here. Smoother than that time we shaved Jace, oiled him up, and sent him headfirst down a toboggan track. While listening to Barry White having the whole thing narrated by Morgan Freeman. Ah. Provided your machine can keep up graphically, big space battles and Infinity Battlescape won't be a problem. Netcode aside, Keith, is that Keith? I hope so. <laughs> All right. Netcode aside, Keith has returned to working on the UI. The core path rendering R&D is nearly finished. However, there's a lot of work remaining on font rendering, text layout, styling, keyboard, mouse input, animation, and optimization. On the art side, Jan and Dan. Really? Maybe it's Jan and Don. <laughs> on the art side, Jan and Dan are still working on the geometry pass for the first capital ship to be integrated in the game. The Destroyer. Christian has started working on the materials for the factories. And new screenshots should be coming in the very near future. Finally, the big task over the next week will be addressing... Jeez, addressing is to address their... This is just, this is a travesty of the English language. Lennon, I'm, I'm telling the queen on you, you will have your British card revoked. <laughs> you, you, you will be forced to drink coffee. Never again shall you sip tea. It's had an extra you in there. Yeah. Uh, and put whilst in there. Whilst, yes, there we go. All right. All Thus. Right. Finally, the next big task over the next week is their schedule. The networking and UI systems have taken much longer than initially anticipated, meaning that at a minimum, they're looking at another two to three months before they can ship the actual alpha. The good news is that these two systems are the last major R&D unknowns, so once completed, it's back to focusing purely on gameplay. To make up for the additional delay, I know they are considering the possibility of having more alpha player weekends like they did in January, However, no official word on that has been posted other than in a weekly update. We'll let you know as soon as we hear more. Well, okay, so, so apparently that's, that, that's, that, that's the size of it. I'll be completely honest. I don't keep up with this game as, as much as I probably should because I'm not like an alpha backer. Well, I think that's part of the, that's, you know, we, we talk about game development a lot on this podcast. This is one of the bad things about having a comparatively more closed alpha. You know, if you didn't get in on it early, you totally missed out. Um, and, and I don't know that they have opportunities to, to get back in. Um, and I mean, I, I think I backed it. I'll be in some sort of beta, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, it, it just, some of this stuff is eh, okay. It happened. Well, yeah. And we want to report on it, but we don't have, you know, without, and, and again, this is you know, the, 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 the two headed, you know, sort of monster is that you can either have people in it and, and can talk about it. And can, you know, say nasty, terrible things and out in public about how now it's not coming along to your liking. Or you can restrict it to a invested group who spent money early, was very excited about it, 
and keep coming back for more every single time. There's a certain like, exclusivity to it that you know that make, makes people hang in there a little more, even if you're having rough times, like further delays. You know, your alpha is delayed more, more, uh, more months because of scheduling problems, needing more R and D. But on the other side, on the other side of it, it's hard to keep casually interested people interested. Uh, so, but that's what we do here at the Garden Frequency, though. We are a we're casually interested, and so we're going to keep an eye on it for everybody else. All right, you stay go, casual. Um, stay casual. Fly casual. That's right. Well, what are your thoughts on a three hundred player spaceship battle? Are you looking forward to being in the middle of a conflict that large, or are you the sort of pilot that prefers smaller skirmishes? Have you ever participated in one of Eve's famed thousand player fleet battles? If so, we'd love to hear your experience. Drop an email, a tweet, or a comment on this show's post. All of the details can be found in the feedback loop. But now it's time for news we didn't use. No Man's Sky gets another new update, weighing in around 3.9 gigabytes on PS4 and 1.4 gigabytes on PC. This is a follow-up to the Pathfinder update. Has also seen an optimization pass, meaning that a lot of the lighting effects missing from the PS4 version can now be switched on. CIG are doing a subscriber flash sale on the Avenger Titan Renegade. You're listening to the show on Tuesday, then I'm afraid you've already missed it. The latest Limit Theory devlog tells us of the notification slash event system, which lets the program decide where it can safely, temporarily, forget about things like ships to save even more frame rate. For example, if a ship is idling, the game doesn't necessarily need to think about the ship all the time. Mark Abent discovers a bug that causes a crash when players exit spectator mode in Star Citizen. Can Mark smash this bug? Watch and find out. And Eve Valkyrie celebrates its one-year anniversary with a double XP weekend. This is one game that we, I, I, Henry had to duck out because he basically lost power, but this would be one question I'd want to ask him if he ever thought about getting Eve Valkyrie, you know, because it's a VR game and he's he I loves have. VR. I have, I have it. You got? Uh, it? I've played it. I've played it a little bit. It's a little too arcadey for me, because oh, okay. um, you, you you kind of just you mean you're in a space cockpit and you're kind of flying around with a with like a 360 controller, um, with a sorry Xbox 360 controller. And I mean, I don't know. It it feels more like uh, I don't know what's one of those. Uh, there's there were a couple of like uh, especially Xbox and, oh, there were some on the PS3 too, but there's like arcadey kind of pseudo sims where you kind of just lock on to everything and yeah. fire your missiles and stuff. And right. that's what it felt like more than, than say the modern space sims that we're talking about and playing. Um, it's fun. I enjoy it, but I don't really, I don't feel like well, I don't have any desire to level up in that game or, or play it on a regular basis. And Starbuck talks to you, right? Yes, she does. It's very hot. But it's not very much. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, she's really just in the intro, I think. Uh, maybe there may be some missions that I haven't really played with her. Oh, okay. Well, apparently not not enough of a draw for you to actually find out. Ah, uh, no. Uh, okay. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's turn oh, in the whoa, feedback whoa. loop. And... Deba- the debate. Oh, dulcet tones. Re- you have to reverberate. Uh, you have to uh, reverberate, Jeff. You have to reverberate. I think it's actually reverberate. It is reverberate, but the yeah. fact you said reverberate will forever See, be stuck in. Yeah, my yeah. Well, the, the, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is I did the same thing on Priority One. We had it. They, they had to. They made a blooper reel of me saying re- uh, reverberate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was not an invitation, Mikey. That was not an invitation. Of course, you can just go steal a blooper reel from Priority One, and it might make sense. A large number of space fans can trace their desire to zip around in space to the movie Star Wars. Dogfighting and trench runs of A New Hope are often cited by Chris Roberts himself as the inspiration for the first Ring Commander games. However, the other iconic space battles from the movie where Han Solo and Luke Skywalker were blasting ties from the turrets of the Millennium Falcon hasn't been a feature in most games outside of scripted scenarios. With technological improvements, many games are now given the option for players to hop in their turrets and recreate the experience. Sort of. Current gameplay in Space Sims seems to be a better in theory than in practice scenario. Elite is introducing man turret gameplay, but they've opted for more of an abstraction. Players in turrets receive a third-person view of the ship and can actually view far more than the turret would allow. Even angles of the turrets can't fire on. 
In addition to controlling the weapons, the view gives the ship their manning an advantage in view and targeting. Players, including our own Henry, have admitted that the view is sort of immersion-breaking and represents a departure from the original intent of the devs. But most are willing to accept it in light of the alternatives. Star Citizen has done the best job so far of literally... Uh, Star Citizen has done the best job so far of literally recreating the experience of sitting in a gun turret on an active spaceship and shooting down enemies. But most players report that the gameplay is less than fun, with limited fields of view, very short times to track targets, and insufficient power in available weapons. This isn't irrational complaining either, as the Star Citizen does acknowledge the system needs improvement. But even if they do improve the system somehow, some people wonder if the effort might be better spent elsewhere. After all, who's going to want to sit in a gun turret when they can help with fixing the ship, maintaining shields, or actually flying their own ship and providing much more useful fire support. There are plenty of people arguing for the other side, of course. These players want to join in with the pew-pew, but either they don't have the time or the skill to master piloting ships, along with managing weapon systems. They'd rather hop in with their friends and blast away without worrying about shield balance, IFCS, or any of that stu other stuff. They also feel that the issues are to be expected. The games are breaking new ground, so of course, there'll be hiccups. We just have to wait for the developers to come up with an appropriate solution to make turret gameplay enjoyable. Gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to debate man-turret gameplay. Tony refuses to pilot any ship that have turrets installed at all, whereas Kinshadow has actually fused his joystick so he has a more stable platform to pull the trigger. So, Kinshadow, why is man turret gameplay going to be the fixture of future space sims? Thanks, Jeff. Well, I think the, the main benefit of man turret gameplay is the ease of integration of your friends. That is an easy way to get your, board, your friends on board your ship, get them into the action, and have everyone have a good time. Uh, the article, the description above, makes some good points about current systems having problems, but those are all being tackled by the Star Citizen devs. And since the uh, turrets are a main feature of that game, I believe that game and other games will solve the um, turret functionality issues. Um, similarly, I don't have any... Do I just go Tony? now? Do I just go now, or, or do you call me and an ignorant slut? Uh, wait until I, I prompt you, sir. Please. Okay. Tony, yeah. your response? Well, Jeff, I think that the problem with turrets is that it's a solution chasing a problem. Uh, back in World War II, those airplanes had to fly straight and level so they could drop their bombs, which of course made them very vulnerable to gunfire from more maneuverable fighters that were chasing them. You had to have a turret on that stable, slow, not moving very much platform to engage those fighters that were coming. Not so in most space sims where the even the big ships are fairly maneuverable and will be maneuvering quite a bit, robbing the turret gunner of a stable Fine. platform. In Shadow, would you care to weigh in on his, on Tony's thought? Well, uh, Tony does have one good point in that these turrets are in some ways artificial. The game developers are putting these turrets in, in, in the, the, into the planes in order to provide an extra level of gameplay. This extra level of gameplay also provides an extra level of strategy and has a different way to balance the planes simply from adding more planes to the equation and causing force multipliers. These, these other systems allow much more, much more nuance to the strategy and uh, usage of multiple players in combat Fine. scenarios. Tony, would you care to rebut his very technical response? Uh, I, I, yes, I would. I'm going to go vroomy, vroom, vroom around his ship in a big circle so that the turret can't ever point at me. Uh, I uh, played a game X-Wing Alliance a long time ago, and my strategy when the auto turret was firing was just to keep the top of my ship pointed at the bad guys. That's gameplay, I suppose, but not really a space sim. Thank you. I would love to rebuke that. Go ahead, because this is the part of the show where we just like you know talk about each other now. Well, that, that, it's obviously a it's a strategic choice at that point, right? <coughs> if you have a turret that can fire behind you, or fire directly above you where your where your 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 normal lasers can't reach, 
then all the pilot has to do is worry about keeping that chip away from the other person and giving the turret a nice line of sight. You trying to circle around is not going to do you any good when the, when the, the ship try, tries to pull away from you to give its turret a line of sight. No, I know, I know, because I love actually love turrets. I, I love them. I love them so much. My cutter has is basically all turrets, except for one big yeah. gun on the nose. And, 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 and But they're not manned. It's computer controlled. Sure, sure. But that but again, you know, back to the debate here at hand, why are manned why are, why is having someone man those turrets a good thing? I, I don't know that it is. Um the I think the elite solution was one of those sort of um they definitely made a calculated gameplay versus immersion sort of sort of decision. Right. And I it, think it, they it, came it's down only to gameplay. There, it's only there to provide extra gameplay. Yeah. To provide extra extra um yeah. Extra opportunities for multiplayer action, and in in doing so, adds another level of complexity to the entire strategy behind the trial fight. Right? Yeah. You know, does your other does your friend flying his uh, his ship that he can handle or barely handle or whatever, or does he hop in, <laughs> yeah. into the into the turret? Right? And right. so that's a that's right. a debate you have to wage internally. Yeah, I, and I, I but and I think that the it's the I don't think manned turrets are a really good design choice from the get-go. I don't I and for the for the reasons that we just talked about. I mean, basically the pilot has to uh the pilot who who under you know our theory here has more experience, is more knowledgeable about the game system, you know, maybe has more uh, in-game credits or whatever, more resources. That guy has to basically turn himself into a platform to let his in, less experienced um, you know, less dedicated friend be in charge of shooting down the other ships. It's like, I'm going to hold her steady or keep my top pointed at it. And I'm going to keep the shields up and I'm going to, you know, make sure to repair subsystems or whatever. You just point and shoot. Yeah. Well, you're right. But that all depends on the ship being flown. I mean, that is absolutely probably true when you're in a Hornet on star citizen. If you're in a retaliator, that's not necessarily true because the ship has to fly mostly straight anyway when it's launching a tor- torpedo. So having a manned turret, manned person in all those turrets is a really big thing if you have to stay steady for a long period of time while the, the torpedo gets a lock. Yeah, I and again, I mean, if it's if it is if part of the gameplay is, you know, you have to stay still for a long time, then the turrets will come into their own. But uh, it's still going to have the same problems or, uh, as in the prelude to this debate. It's, you know, how long will this the ship stay in the firing arc? Um, will they be able to actually see? Will they have enough situational awareness to f- identify the target, track it in, fire at the optimal time, track it out, and wait for it to come around for the next pass? I mean, that's those are going to be difficult things, and I hope that uh, that the gameplay calculations are are. Uh, weighed heavily enough so that it's fun for a newbie and that's the tricky part it's got to be fun for a newbie to jump in there and do it so that he's interested in learning more about the game and interested in doing enough in the game to earn one of the big ships and then you know he can take on a newbie someday absolutely yep i agree with all that well can i weigh in now your turn jeff (laughs) okay I, I think that, that having man turrets just for the sake of having man turrets is a bad design. Turrets to me seem like if you're running a gunboat on a, a classic capital ship run uh, and you want to keep uh, those fighters off you, that that's where the, the man turret stuff or even automatic turrets come in. I think that uh, if they're looking, I think there are other ways that they can Enhance multi-crew and other gameplay features without just slapping a turret into some ship that really has no need of it. Uh, I I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Well, I, not, what do you guys feel about about um, secondary seats that have other functions besides the turret? And so during normal flight, they're doing something else, and they have the ability to do something else. But if the pilot was like, "Hey, I need somebody to fire behind me." They, they, the guy grabs a turret and turns it around. Because well, that's well, the way I have that a, some of these ships will, in theory, be able to work too. I, I have a, I have a Connie. I have a, Horn, a Super Hornet. I have a Gladius. I have an Avenger. Um, I expect turrets manned and automatic in my Connie. 
I expect turrets automatic in my Super Hornet because it's that's the gun mount that's on. Um, I don't expect it on my Avenger and I don't expect it on my Gladi. Um, <clears throat> and that's because the, 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 the turret is the, so th there's no turret on the Gladius. You think of the Gladiator? No, I'm talking about the Gladius. So I, it doesn't, it doesn't have a turret at all. The, I know. The, yeah, the, the, that, the that's what I'm saying. The Super Hornet will, the secondary person in the Super Hornet will be able to to aim that turret eventually. Yeah, but he's not in the turret. Well, the turret's behind No, him. but that's that's irrelevant. It's a still a man turret when they go. But he's when not they, in the, the turret. To. But he can still use the turret, though. It's still a manned turret. But he's not in a little bubble with the gun sticking out on the side like on a B-17. Or, Is that or, our uh, only definition uh, of a man uh, turret? Like Luke Skywalker and shooting yeah. down ties. No, I think that I mean that's I mean that's that's just as a you know quote immersion breaking as as you know uh, the elite dangerous thing. I mean if, the, if I mean I, we talked about it a couple weeks ago is you know the CIG's designed interiors of the ship with the elevators and the ladders and the and the buttons and the and the withdrawing you know blast shields and stuff like that. I mean a man turret is a turret with a man in it. And if if it's anything else, if it's a computer link or whatever, then that's not a manned turret. Well, so. they're all they're all kind of mixtures. I mean, there's some ships that have remote turrets that are that are still manned, and there's some that have that have like only manned turrets that sometimes have AI. So the Connie cores. has manned turrets. Yeah, yeah, they do. Okay, the 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 uh, uh, Super Hornet does not have a manned turret, regardless of whether it's controlled by a second person or not. It's not a manned. Yeah, so a remotely operated turret. Yeah, so sure. Do we have a third? So we have a third category. It's kind of like flying the longbow and the second seater uh, controlling the the uh, gatling gun on the front. Uh, but but my 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 point is that the the the, the Connie's manned turrets will eventually be able to be slaved. So anything that you do in a Super Hornet with those turrets, they they said in the last uh, hurricane update that all of those turrets that are currently manned will be possible to slave to the the pilot eventually you have to buy an upgrade to do it but this is not right now so there's functionally no difference other than the fact that you have to sit in a different seat to the super hornet and, I, th and I think you know and i think this this is this discussion is just emblematic <coughs> of the problem with it of the basic design like jeff was saying it's in you know kind of what i was saying earlier it's a, it's a solution in search of a problem you know i mean the computer can aim and fire really well without a human sure. doing it and as a matter of fact you know it has to be dumbed down in order to make it quote fair you know otherwise right. you no, just fly the, in and the turn you know you uh, click blow up that ship and your computer would just go pow and then you know that'd be it yeah none of this makes any sense in a realistic fashion the no. only reason that turrets exist and the only reason that any of this that we're flying at world war ii fighter speeds and that we're actually people in space in in fighter ships rather than launching thousands of drones at people is because you know, the, the video game companies think it would be fun to do. Right. They think it would be fun for the alarms to go off and you run to the, 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 the turret seat like Luke Skywalker, like you guys right. were saying. That should be fun. Right. Now, it maybe it's not fun right now, or maybe there are certain parts in ED that are immersion-breaking. Um, but that's up to the companies to figure out and solve. I, I, think that, I think it still makes sense to have them for the sake of fun. And right. the rule of cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go one step further from the, than you, Ken Shadow, and I think it basically sums up our entire viewpoint here is that if there's ever a if there's ever a point where you have to decide between what's realistic and what's fun, you have to decide what's fun. I mean, it has to go that way. There's no other reason to have these things in there aside from the fun factor. And I think that I think as long as everybody you know sort of keeps that in the front of their minds that realism is always going to lose out to gameplay fun in manned turret design. I, I, I think that that, that, that North star that uh, should, should really guide people's decision-making in this, in this stuff. Absolutely. And, and the other crime here would be is if they put all this work in and nobody ever manned nobody a turret. In never got in one. Yep. Yep. Cause it wasn't fun. And then that would be the, the death now. Well, you've heard our thoughts on that. We want to hear yours. So this week's debate question is man turret gameplay a beneficial alternative way to participate in space sims that just need some development to get over our current hurdles, or will always be a little used feature marred by limitations or immersion breaking abstractions? Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show posts found on our websites or over on our Facebook page. 
All right, let's uh, stop her there. Good debate, gentlemen. Uh, you don't want to sweep. You don't want to sweep us. Oh, was there a sweeper that I missed? Probably there was. Well, it was in. It was up. I almost read it when. Uh, oh right. Oh there. Yep. 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 Uh, Kinch, I don't want you to take it. I already stopped my recording. <laughs> well, here's okay, what we're gonna I'll, do. It's okay. I'll it's okay. Do it. No, no. Kinchat is gonna do it at the beginning of feedback. That's how. We're, that's how we'll do it. So, Mikey, okay, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll have to just. He'll, he, he's flexible. That Mikey guy is pretty sharp. He can, he can handle it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, be right back. Sticking with us, you're listening to the end of the live recording of episode 162 of Guard Frequency. We're going to finish off with the feedback and closing segments, as we always do this time of night. And that will begin when I hit the big red button in three, two. This is Tony, feedback closing, sync one. This is Jeff, feedback closing, sync two. This is Ken Shadow, feedback and closing, sync three. All right, feedback and closing in three, two. And sweep us out, Ken Shadow, and then I'll go. Now that we've <clears throat> now that we've called caught up with the latest. <laughs> now that we've all we, I said weave again. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune in the feedback loop in loop. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune in. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Some say he always gives his crewmates an equal payout of 60-20-20, and that math is not his strong suit. But all he knows he's called the Shiv, and he didn't help put together this week's feedback. Recap of last week's community questions. For Star Citizen, simply how is 2.6.2? We want to know. Are you looking forward to naming your ship, and are you going to visit the new and improved Trappist system? Pretty light on the direct feedback this week, although there's a lot of positive talk about our interview with the creators of Starfighter Inc. Tom Newboy writes in and says, wonderful show, everyone. Naming ships would be wonderful. I wonder how they will create uniqueness. Otherwise, how many Falcons and Enterprises will there be? In general feedback, Amontillado says, for some reason, all hail Jeff. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's a typo. I think he wrote Must Kim Shadow wrong. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Ken from Chicago writes and then says, Nope. Hashtag Star Citation. Her Star Citation. Ken from Chicago writes in and says, Nope. Hashtag Star Citizen. Couldn't have had female characters years ago. It's Alpha. Add a traditional female gate later. And then he follows us up with a bunch of emoji. He has a blonde, a blue brunette, and a red head, and an Athlete girl emoji and a rocket ship, a space controller, a computer, and a diagonal happy face. That guy, that guy, gets around the emoji section of his keyboard pretty well. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I hope I don't get yelled at for my. I'm kind of scared. I, it, it, there's, it's okay. I mean, we're trying to paint word pictures here, um, and I think you got the message across. I think it's okay. All right. Yeah, I, I, I as a designated HR representative, I'm going to go ahead and clear you. Thank you. And this week's community questions. Will you miss the Star Citizen crowdfunding update numbers now that they're gone? Let us know because we want to know if you thought it just got kind of old. In Around the Verse, they went into a little more technical detail on the changes to the physics grid than the high-level overview that they normally give. We want to know, what's your opinion on this? Should they be giving us the nitty-gritty whenever possible? Or should they just give us the TLDR version? Our Elite Dangerous community question this week, it's generated a bit of controversy out in the verse, but we want to know what you think of the changes made to the multi-crew payouts. And Infinity Battlescape, what are your thoughts on 300-player spaceship battles? Are you looking forward to being in the middle of a conflict that large, or are you the sort of pilot that prefers smaller skirmishes? Have you ever participated in one of EVE's famed 1,000-player fleet battles? If so, we'd love to hear your experience. 
Is man turret gameplay a beneficial alternative to participate in space sims that just need some development to get over the current hurdles? Or will it always be a little-used feature marred by limitations or immersion-breaking abstractions? We want to know. Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on the show's post, which you can find on our website or over on our Facebook page. So, how's the show? Are we all deserving of an equal split of the credits, or should it be based on our broadcasting rank? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on the show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or you can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 162 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 163 on April 11th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday night, come by and join us. At 10 p.m. Central, as we record Guard Frequency Live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. And what happened to our time jokes? I miss our time jokes. We haven't had them in weeks. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop us an email over to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a buck twenty-five a week, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows and some guard frequency goodies, and an invitation to join our private Elite Dangerous flight group. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and we hope you'll consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we can get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call sign section for details on how you can fly with us don't forget about our sister production priority one they cover all things star trek from the tv series the mmo the novels the movies and everything in between we want to thank the entire team at guard frequency and the priority one network thanks to our community manager justin chivalry beam lowmaster our artists ben sanders and simon charlton edwards our staff writer jace pentad and of course our audio engineer mikey Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. All right, let's stop there. And we'll export that sucker. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us through the thick and the thin and the power outages and all that other kind of stuff. And, uh... And it's uh, another one in the can. We'll uh, be back with 163. Oh, uh, for Patreon recording people, uh, the patches are supposedly on their way. The uh, factory screwed up the uh, proof again, and so they I had to send them back to the drawing board to get the colors right. So uh, they're, they're, they're new ones are coming. We're getting we're getting the new ones, but uh, they're taking their sweet time getting it right. So wings for everyone. Wings for everyone. Uh, so that'll those will be coming soon. Okay, Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.